0: So, Baruch Hashem. Tonight, Chov Dalet Tevis, the 24th day of the month of Tevis, is the actual yard site, the yem Hilula, of Rav Zalmin Zalman of Liadi, otherwise known as the Balatanya, otherwise known as the Alter Rebbe, or sometimes just known as the Rav. Also, Chov Tevis, just a few days ago, was the yard site of the great, Nesher Hagadol, as he's often referred to, the Great Eagle. Reb Moshe Ben Maimon Hasfardi, the Rambam, and I will tell you something that's an interesting Ashkocha Pratis. <laughs> Chavdal Tevis is the yard side of the Alter Eber and it's almost the yard side of the Rambam. What I mean? It's almost the yard side. In addition to the fact that twenty is close to twenty-four, but There's a famous sefer called Tzemach David, which was written by a Talmud of the Ramah, and he writes various histories. And there, I don't think he wrote it, because I actually think it was a printer's error, but for many decades and generations, when that uh, sefer was uh, considered, or that, that line in the sefer was considered authoritative. So it actually said, Chovdala said that Ramam's Yorzeit is the 24th of Tevis. But it was incorrect. It was later, because it was corrected against the, the sources that the Temach David was using himself. And also the chido, uh in uh, Sheim Hagdalim says, Chov Tevis. So the Ramam's Yorzeit is Chov Tevis. But just an interesting little side point. At least, there was a prominent typographical error for a while that said. It was also chof da'ala So at any rate, everything that happens in this world is bash gachoprotis. Everything is uh, divine providence. So the fact that we have two great rabbis, leaders, uh, whose yorzites are so close together in proximity, especially uh, that many years, not this year, but many years, both yorzites are in the same parsha, this year, the Rambam's site was last week in Parsha Shmois. And this year, the yard site is in Parsha's Va'era. But many years, they're in the same Parsha. They're both in Parsha's Va'era. So that, that's no mistake. And we can learn quite a bit from the fact that these two great rabbis and leaders have a day of passing in proximity to each other. I'll share with you before we get into some of the <laughs> more serious content, but just something on a, on a little, a little lighter, lighter note. Um, you know, the the Rambam is known as Reb Misha bin Maimon Hasfardi. He was he was originally from Spain. Um, the Al Rebbe was from White Russia. So. Uh, Seemingly, you're talking about two different uh, cultures, but really, did you know the Alter Rebbe started Chabad, and did you know that Chabad is Sephardi? Yes, it's true. Chabad is Sephardi. This was explained to me once. I heard this. Okay, how how is Chabad Sephardi, even though they're from White Russia, huh? Sephardi. Ah, okay. So how ha- how so? Okay, that's a pretty outrageous claim. How are you gonna make this? How are you gonna back that up? Okay, okay. So I'll explain to you. You know that the Torah was given on different levels of interpretation. So the most simple level, pshat. Pshat means the simple meaning. Deeper than that, there's the remes. The remes means allusions, references, hints, like gematria and stuff like that. Then there's drush. Drush is even deeper. To be doirish means to go seek after something, to pull out hidden meanings. And then the deepest of them all is called soid. Soid means literally secret, and that's Kabbalah, the esoteric, the mystical. So we call that the acronym, we call that the pardes. Pardes means orchard, but it also means pshat remez drush soyd. So when you learn Torah, you're going through the pardes of Torah in that order, deeper, 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 deeper. So I'm just saying this on a lighter note, but Chabad is Sevardi because most people go pshat remez drush soyd. We go soyd, pshat is drush. First, you learn the esoteric, you learn the Kabbalistic, the deep, the spiritual, and from there, you get the rest of it, it all falls into place. It's a joke, but it's not such a joke also, because if somebody, you know, the Vilnagon said, it's interesting to mention the Vilnagon, and I share about the Alta Tereb, and we'll actually mention him later as well, but uh, he said that one who learns the side of Torah. Will also understand Pshat, Remes, and Drush. And one who does not learn the side of Taira, even Pshat, he will not understand. So, at any rate, okay, so let's talk about the Al Terebe and the Rambam, or let's be chronological, the Rambam and the Al the Balatanya. Um, okay. First of all, both the Rambam and the Alter Rebbe, embody a certain dichotomy. And this is a dichotomy that is characteristic of the entire Torah. We know that the Torah, we were speaking before, Pshat, Remes, Drush. Soed. the Torah has a revealed element and a concealed element, what we call Nigle, the revealed, and Nister, the concealed. Both the Rambam and the Alter Rebbe were masters of both of these elements, both of these dimensions, the concealed and the revealed. And not only is this evident in their works, which we're going to talk about with Hashem's help, but it's even evident, if you know how to look, in their names. It's even hidden in their names. We know there's a, the, the Gemara in Yuma, Daf uh, Pei Gimel Omedalaf, where it speaks about Rebbe Meir was able to read the, the, the tea leaves, so to speak, of people's names. That a name is not a coincidence. When a person has a name, so it tells you something about them. So first of all, the Rambam's name, his given name, was Moshe. OK, and what's Moshe? Meisha? Moshe is Moshe Meisha Kibble Moshe received the Torah. What Torah? The whole Torah. Nigla and Nister. Uh, So everything that's Torah, whether it's the the, the concealed, meaning the Kabbalistic and the the spiritual, or the revealed, meaning the technical, the the, the legalistic, that's all given to Moshe. But also you see it in the Rambam's nickname. We call the Rambam, the Rambam. Something interesting about the, the, the nickname Rambam Not so much in how it's spoken. You don't really pick up on it when you say it. But if you look at it, you see something unusual. If you're used to looking at Hebrew acronyms, which we call Rosh HaTevis, there's something interesting about the convention for how the Rambam's name is uh, initialized, or his initials are are represented. Normally speaking, the convention is that when you have a a, a Rosh HaTevis, Rosh HaTevis means the heads of the letters. When you have initials, you don't use the seifis uh, forms, the mantzapach, right? The final mem, the final nun, the final tadik, final peh, final chof. But if you look in the Raman's name written anywhere, Reish mem base, that mem is a mem seifis, or what we call in Yiddish a schloss mem, a closed mem. It's not the normal way. Normally, you would, if, it's, if it's initials, you just have a regular mem. Yeah, so <laughs> what's the hint here? The Rambam has in his nickname, which we all use to refer to him, both forms of the letter mem. An open mem, resh mem. And then base, final mem, a closed mem. So he has an open mem and a closed mem. What, what, what's the significance? So there, there, there's a Gemod in Shabbos. Daf kuf aleph talks about. It goes through the whole aleph base. Actually, a whole long story there about these kids came in and they started teaching secrets of all the Aleph base that were not revealed since the time of Yeshua ben Nun. And um, one of the things that explains there is that Mem has two forms. Mem is Torah because it's 40, 40 days. Moses was on Sinai, right? And there's an open form and there's a closed form, which alludes to Rashi explains there in the Gemara, that there's a revealed teaching and a concealed teaching, that everything in Torah has its revealed form, the uh, plain, apparent meaning of of something, and then there's the concealed, there's the mystical, hidden meaning. I remember uh, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz, Oliver Shalom. He was someone who was asking him about, about uh, how relevant is it learning Gemara? You're learning about sharnogeh uh, chasapara, that an ox, gored a cow, and, and and who who saw a cow and who saw an ox, and he laughed and he said, the one who Learns the case in the Gemara and he thinks that the ox is an ox, he's the ox. (laughs) In other words, even on the simplest level, it's not talking about an ox, an ox is a mechanism for discussing a legal principle. But you get even deeper the ox is not an ox, the ox is Everything is is everything's hinted hinting to something on a deeper level. That's the way the whole Torah works. So you have in the Rambam's name the open mem, meaning the open apparent stuff, legalistic stuff, and you have the closed mem, the secrets. Okay. Now, what about the Al Altarebbe? The al name was Schneer. Now, what's the name Schneer? Actually, we, we we know what the name Schneer means from uh, Shleimeluya. Rav who who uh, the, 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 the Yamsha Shlomel. And he speaks over there a story about one of his relatives, actually, who he had a, he had a conundrum at a bris because he had a father named Meir and a Shver named Uri. And he didn't know what to name the kid. So you know this father? <laughs> of course, he named Schneer. So he made the, the name Shner, Shnei two lights, because Meir means light, Uri means light. So Shnei, means two lights. So shnei Ar means two lights. OK. So um, the Al-Tarebbe's name being shnei Ar is no mistake, because the Al-Tarebbe is known as Bala Tanya, and he's also known as Bala Aruch. He wrote a book of Chassidus, the Tanya, and he wrote a book of Haloha, the Shulchan Aruch. So the two lights, toira ayah, all of toira is called light, but he had both lights. Nigla and Nista, the, the, the revealed form and the and the, and the concealed. Um, also, by the way, it's connected to this week's parsha, mm-hmm. Parsha's is Vaeira, because Vaeira is the letters. If you rearrange the letters, you have Ayer Aleph. Vaeira, the letters of Va'era, which is the name of this week's parsha, which very often both sites are in that week, is Ayer Aleph Resh Aleph. So what's Ayer Aleph? Eir means light. Then Aleph, we were talking about initials before, Rosh H-Tavis before. Aleph is the initial of the word ayir. So what's going on there? The first Eir is spelled out. The second ayir is hinted to. It's just the Aleph, just the first initial. Again, the two lights, the one light that's spelled out in full, and the other light that's just hinted to because it's the hidden mystical teaching. So it's, again, the, the idea of two Torahs. Hidden and revealed, being all different. Uh, call it body and soul of, of, of one Torah. Okay. Now let's talk about a little bit how, in the works of the Rambam and the the Alter Rebbe the Balatanya, you actually see nigla and nistar. Because the you know we could we could look at the hints and the names. We could look at the hint in the parsha, but you know tell me actually what did they do that constitutes nigla and nistar. So we'll start with the Rambam. The, the Rambam, obviously, his contribution to Nigla de Torah is, is, is obvious and unique. The Rambam was the only one in history who did what he did. He took the entirety of Torah Shabal Peh, the entire oral tradition. And that includes even halakhas that are not practiced after the destruction of the temple and will not be practiced again until the coming of Mashiach, may it be speedily. And he took everything, and not only did he figure out how to decisively rule, you learn the Gomorrah, it's not so simple who won the argument. It's not so simple to follow. Okay, what's the bottom line? So not only was he able to extract the bottom line from each and every Talmudic argument, but the organization, The organization is 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 mind blowing, the way that Rambam put everything together in in such a an intuitive way. You know, like Apple products are intuitive, or supposedly intuitive. Intuitive means something is where you would think to look for it. Mishnah Torah is so intuitive. The way that it's organized, where everything is, everything's a building, everything's a structure, everything you learn sets the scene for other things that you're going to learn later. So what, what, what did, what did the, the, the Rambam do as far as nigla the Torah, the revealed dimensions of the Torah, that, that, that's obvious. Now let's talk about what he did in the area of nistar, Because the Rambam did not write Kabbalah. The Rambam did not write Kabbalah. In those days, Kabbalah was still very undercover. And he even mentions this, he alludes to this in Mishnah Torah, in Hilchas Yisaid HaTorah, he says there's something called Ma'isa that is not openly studied. And in the first two prakam of Mishnah Torah, he gives some hints about it. He gives just like the, the the basic, the basic basics. You should know that there is one there is one original, essential being, the absolute reality. Everything depends on his reality. His reality doesn't depend on their reality. You know, deep stuff. And that actually, if you Without getting into any other books, you actually could say that the first two chapters of Hilchas Yisrael de Ha-Tayra are, let's call it, um, like crib notes of a, a Kabbalistic class in Ma'isim Merkava. So right there, the first two chapters of, of, of Hilchas Yisrael de HaTorah are are sort of Kabbalistic. And, and he says we're not going to get more into this because it's Ma'isim Merkava and it's something that is only given over, you know, in full to one in each generation, it's uh, under the cover stuff. So the fact is, the Rambam was a Makubal. And we have evidence of this, that he, he was a Kabbalist, as much as the, he, he's claimed as a champion of, of the rationalists. But uh, and, and maybe we'll speak about that, too, God willing, about the, the Rambam as a rationalist, and also the, the Altarebbe as a rationalist. But maybe we'll reclaim the, the term rationalist. Um, but the, 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 the Rambam, was imparting Kabbalistic concepts, even in Mishnah Torah, albeit in a truncated version, as was the, the, the limitation of that time. And, and in that time, it was considered something that one should not reveal. Um, and we're, we'll talk about that as well, God willing. Okay. I'm, I'm making a lot of promises about things we're going to come back to. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to remember. I hope I remember. You'll remind me. <laughs> So I put the rabbi in the front row. <laughs> if I get to the end. I didn't come back to any of these things. You can, you can hold me to it. Okay. So the the first couple of halachas uh, of our chapters of halachas uh, yisraeliotera definitely are, are are kabbalistic. But where do you see in a more uh, protracted version, like a more uh, lengthy treatment of Spirituality, so that—that's no question. That's the Ma'or Hanuvochim. Some call it but it's Ma'or Uh the the guide to the perplexed, uh, the perplexed guys (plural). Ah, oh, thank you. What? Yeah, my brother David's very into that. That's right. How did you know that? such a work known as Mar-a-buchem. even that wrong person it's more a That's correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Rebbe is precise about that also. Made a Han yeah. Yeah. Even though often oftentimes the the uh of the book omits the way it's referred to often it omits the he. The heya, Yediyah, the definite article. How do you know my brother's into that? <laughs> that's pretty no, that's pretty uh, hardcore like <laughs> level of fandom over there to know that my brother David yeah, he likes to say that there's no such book as Meira Novochim. Yeah. So there, the the the, the Rabbim is giving guidance, spiritual guidance, in in prayer and worldview, and thought, philosophy, and uh, it's certainly not law. It's not technical law, like you know how to get up and wash your hands and uh, make brachas. It's talking about uh, the soul. The spirit of Torah so that that's the the, the Rambam as far as the, the both the revealed and the concealed elements now what about the Alter Rebbe so the Alter Rebbe was the Bala HaShokhanoruch he compiled the Shokhanoruch at the behest of his Rebbe the Mezrich HaMagid he was uh, he was instructed to do so and uh, the Alter Rebbe Shokhanoruch is learned way beyond Chabad circles. It is also unique in its contribution, in its style uh, particularly how the Alter Rebbe is able to give us the gist of the complexity of rabbinical debate. In other words, there's the bottom line, but there's also how we arrived at the bottom line. You know, the the ve'yesh the, oimrim, and there are those who say ve'yesh medaktekin, and the, the the and the kula, and, the and, the and, the and the the, uh, what's the bal nefesh going to do to be machmir, and the Alter remarkably in a rather concise way conveys not only the bottom line but the complexity of the rabbinic arguments, but also in a way where it's clear what the ruling should be. Um, it's interesting to note also that the, Ramb- the, 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 the Alter rebbe uses the Rambam's style, his linguistic style, his, signum, his uh, you know the, 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 the type of Hebrew and the clarity. And very often, the, the Alter rebbe will literally use the Rambam's language. He'll, he'll lift phrases because uh, it's, it's a similar type of uh, style of clarity and being to the point, not overly flowery, but for the point of, of conveying bottom lines and being very, very clear. So that's the, the Alta Rebbe in, in the realm of Nigla. In the realm of Nister, obviously, the Alta Rebbe is known for the Tanya. The Alta Rebbe wrote the guidebook. You have to realize that the Alta Rebbe's Rebbe was the Mizicha Maggid, as we mentioned earlier, who, the one who told him to write the Shechonaruch. And the Magid's Rebbe was the Baal Shemtev. And neither the Magid nor the Baal Tov wrote books, they didn't write books. So although the al Rebbe was the third generation of Chassidus, he really was the first one to systemize and codify. There were other Sfarim from Talmudia Magid, let's be clear. He had colleagues, peers, contemporaneous to him, who also had Sfarim. But the al Rebbe's agenda in Tanya, as he makes it very clear, uh, even on the title page, when he says that this is Lakuti morim, compiled sayings, that I've compiled from the books and from the teachers. Basically, what he did is he took Kabbalah, Chassidus, and he systemized it. He made it into a, an organized manual, uh, which, is, which is a pretty incredible feat when, when, when you think about it. You're taking something that's so uh, intangible some, something so spiritual, like speaking about the soul and 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 spirituality, and to be really, really able to nail it down and describe it in an organized fashion, almost like you know, like a like an instruction booklet. Here's what you do. You know, you go you go through the stages, go through the steps to make it so practical um, that that itself was a feat. That's why, also by the way, that the, the, the Tanya is often called the Tereshvich Sav of Kabbalists. Because even though the, the al was the third generation of Chassidus, really he was the first one to, to take those teachings and codify them. And when I say codify, I really mean codify almost akin to what he did in Shulchan Aruch, codifying, meaning taking a vast body of knowledge and organizing it and giving f- final and clear direction. He did that also in the realm of, of the spiritual by, by composing the, ta- the Tanya and the style in the manner that he did. Um, okay, let's also talk about now, sh- shifting gears a little bit, the Rambam and the Altarebbe having similar, I would say, having similar functions as leaders at the juncture in history where they came into, into uh, their leadership role. And and this is related, this will relate back to the works that they compiled. Uh, And this is also connected to Parshat Vayera. (laughs) What's Parshat Vayera? Parshas Vayera is is, is Hashem is telling Moshe uh, the Jews are at their low point. I mean, this is the lowest of the low point, because this is even not only after they were enslaved, but then they don't even have straw anymore to make their bricks. And, and they're broken. They're at a point where even when at the end of last week's Pasha, Moshe goes to tell them, hey, guys, good news. We're going free. And they couldn't even listen to him. From the shortness of breath. Meaning they were totally uh, demoralized. And, and Moshe's job in Pasha's Va'era is to lift up the people in a time of demoralization and to tell them everything's going to be good. And, and even more than that, to tell them, um, Ani Hashem. I I am God, meaning you're going to know Hashem. And even even the the Possek says that uh, that the point, the purpose of taking the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim is that they should know Hashem. So here they are, they're in this crisis, not just the brutality of enslavement, but but spiritually they're in a crisis. Um, And they're being told, but it's going to be good, and you're going to know God. So both, the, both the, the Rambam and the al Rebbe had similar functions as leaders. Uh, the Rambam came along at a time of, of, of terrible crisis. I mean, his, his biography itself, last year we gave a class, by the way, uh, on, the, on the life of the Rambam. So if you're interested in the biography of the Rambam with more details about his life and his journeys, uh, I think that's on Soul Words. I don't remember. You go to soulwords.org and you search Rambam, soulwords.org is my, my site. So all this stuff, this, this video too will go up on soulwords.org. But if you want to see last year's class we gave on the, the, the Rambam's biography, go to soulwords.org, you search Rambam, and uh, there's a whole class we gave on the biography of the Rambam. But without getting into the whole life story, I mean, he was fleeing. He, the reason he had to leave Spain, his family had to leave Spain, is because of the, 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 the Almohad uh, fundamentalists who were uh, oppressing non-Muslims. And uh, when he arrived in Egypt, of course, uh, he, he found that the community was uh, spiritually very, very, uh, they, they were uh, uneducated, <clears throat> the ignorance was, was, was rampa- rampant, uh, the, the Kerite influence was rampant. Um, and, and then also in areas where he didn't live, like, like Taman, like the Yemenite Jewry, who were in crisis, serious crisis at that time. And he, was, he strengthened them through correspondence the famous Egedes Taman, and also uh, in, in a similar way the Egedes Hashmad. So the, the Rambam was dealing with Jews who were in, in, in a crisis situation and lifting them up and, and, and reassuring them of their identity and giving them hope, and, and not just hope like hollow promises, but educating them, educating, so helping them to know God. So taking people who are in a serious crisis situation and not only giving them hope and cheer but then educating them that, that, that they, should, they should know God um, and, his birthday, hmm? his birthday, and his birthday is also out of Pesach that's right, which is also connected to redemption that's right, and I'll tell you something else that's connected from the, the Rambam to redemption, is that he's buried in Tveria, and according to the Medrash, when the Sanhedrin reassembles, when Mashiach comes, it'll reassemble in, in Tveria so, bershkach the the Rambam's very, So he'll be ready <laughs> when we have our all-star team assembled. We have first pick, meishem ben and So uh, I'll tell you also regarding Mashiach. This is a little, getting a little ahead of myself, but you mentioned Mashiach and you get excited. You can, by the way, I learned this also from the Rambam that you got to get excited about Mashiach because um, in in Hilchus, Paradumah. yeah. When the when the Rambam's speaking about Paraduma, and uh, he 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 says when you know that there were nine red heifers for purification rites for purification rituals, and then he says there's gonna be another one when Meshir comes. He gets all excited. and says this little tefillah. So there's a sikhah that I've explains like why, why is the Rambam like davening all of a sudden? He says that's that's also halacha. The halacha is, that when you mention Mashiach, you can't hold yourself back, you got a daven for it also. Right? So you mentioned Mashiach, I got excited. The Rambam is, we, of course we know that, <laughs> many people know that Rambam was a descendant of Yehuda HaNasi, which the Rambam's function in his generation as a codifier is very similar to the function of his ancestor, Yehuda HaNasi, who was the redactor of the Mishnah. Yehuda HaNasi did something was also controversial at the time. He, he was the first to take Torah They take the oral law and to put it into writing, which you weren't supposed to do. But he said, "Ais It's it's do or die. You got to do it. So, his descendant, the Rambam, did a similar thing. He started uh, to push the envelope and saying, you know, it's it's not enough that people have access to the to the written Gemara, because they don't know what to do with it. They can't follow it, and 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 they can't come to. They can't open up a gemara. The average person can't open up a gemara and figure out how to live a Jewish life. So I'm going to just take the plunge and write down the bottom line. So um, he gets that. <laughs> I guess it's in his blood. He gets that from, from Yehuda Anasi. He comes from Yehuda Nasi. But <laughs> this is the Mashiach tie-in. Yehuda Anasi is from Hillel. Hillel is from Beis David, from the Davidic dynasty. And just like the Rambam writes in the Laws of Kings, Mashiach will be a descendant of King David. So the Rambam actually was a descendant of King David. So at least uh, pedigree-wise, he had those credentials. And and (laughs) if you look through the credentials that the Rambam himself writes about Mashiach, uh, he seems to fit the bill pretty well. And the Ruzhner Tzaddik, Rabbi Yisrael Ruzhner, Rabbi Yisrael Friedman, he actually writes uh, that uh, the Raman was Mashiach Shabbat-Doiroy. He was Mashiach in his generation. So, uh, oh, and I should mention to you, the al Terebe traces his lineage to the Ma'aral of Prague and the Ma'aral also traces his lineage to King David through, also through Yehuda HaNasi. So they were like I don't know, distant cousins. But the point is, the Rambam and the Altareva were distant cousins. The point is, they're both descendants of King David. So there, there's your Mashiach tie in. And when the Rambam wrote Mishneh Torah, and he wrote how to live a Jewish life, he dafke included laws that will not be applicable until Mashiach comes. That itself is Messianic. The idea of writing a Shulchan Aruch, of writing a guidebook for Jewish life, and specifically including laws that will only be applicable when Mashiach comes. That itself, the Roshner says, the same Roshner says, and and he's the only one who does it. And the Mechaber didn't do it. Nobody else did it. And that itself, the Roshner writes, is a preparation for Mashiach. So yeah, you got me excited with (laughs) (laughs) that. What's the last name? Yagola. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Eid of Pesach. That's how I got Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, where, uh, where were we? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about something else here. Um, so we mentioned how they're both dimensions of Torah, the, the hidden and the revealed. We mentioned how they both emerged in crisis times. I didn't mention the Altarev, by the way. He also was a crisis time. I mean, the Baal was uh, the Valshemtev came upon the scene at a time, at least for European jewelry, where um, there was a great disenfranchisement of, of, of uh, the masses, and the whole Tetris of Valshemtev was meant to bring them back into the fold. And uh, similar to the, the Rambam, where he writes in his Hakdama that what he's doing is a response to the crisis he says look how am I justifying the fact that I'm writing such a book is that um, people can't manage anymore without such a book so I have to do it, I have no choice over here um, the Al rebbes Shulchan also in the Hakdomas HaRabonim B'nai HaMechaber which was written by the sons of the al rebbe they use very similar expressions to the, uh, to, the, to the Rambam's Hak Dhamma to Mishnah Torah, And they also say that, again, this was done as a response to a crisis, that if we don't record this kind of stuff, it's going to be lost. People are not going to be able to do this on their own. So a similar response. I should also mention um, that both the Rambam and the Alter Rebbe, in addition to their great genius, which is undisputed, were incredible humanitarians. Um, and, that, and that ties into the fact that they were leaders in, a, in, in times of crisis, that they responded to both spiritual and material crises, and they gave of themselves to everyone. The, the Rambam, famously, we know about uh, his humanitarian efforts as a doctor. Uh, we we know his schedule, his grueling schedule, seeing seeing patients when he was uh, in Egypt. And uh, the Alter Tereba also, as far as his humanitarian efforts, maybe not as well known. But when he got married, he re- he received a significant dowry from his father-in-law, uh, who was a, a wealthy Jew from Vitebsk, named Segel, and he gave him. Uh, substantial amount of money, he, he, he immediately used the funds. Al-Tadam had never lived uh, in any type of luxurious way. He used the funds to create um, uh, free loans for farming. He believed very strongly in uh, giving Jewish people uh, a chance to live off of the land, to become somewhat financially uh, independent, and that he felt that it was a better way of life than uh, than in the urban areas, so they both uh, did quite a bit when it comes to humanitarian efforts, and also with the Alter Rebbe, you know, the Yichidus, the, the one-on-one audiences. He writes about it. He he alludes to it in the in the compiler's forward to Tanya, um, but the Al Rebbe was a spiritual doctor, and he was seeing people constantly. He was he was he was giving people personal audience constantly about all types of issues, um, not even spiritual guidance, but questions of how to make a living and, and, and of health and, and relationships. And he was completely given over to that type of service. Uh, it's, it's rather remarkable, because when you think about the, the Rambam and the Altarebbe, as far as their intellectual achievements, it's really I mean, I don't think we can sufficiently wrap our minds around it. what how an individual without a computer, <laughs> without a research department, like how either of them accomplished what they even one of their works like, if you take that I'm just Mishnah Torah without anything else is, is, is really unfathomable how a human mind was able to do that. Um, so they were incredible geniuses, and at the same time, and this is something you don't find, really in the world. As, as great as their minds were, they had these great hearts. It's like you know. Y- y- you have like. You know, an Albert Einstein. You know, and he's 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 in his, in his laboratory with his chalkboards, writing formulae on the chalkboards, and he can't be disturbed. And and everyone understands because he's Einstein. he's he's <laughs> he's, he's got to focus on on the numbers and on the ideas, and he can't uh, he can't be. He can't be Albert Schweitzer and running around and uh, being a humanitarian. And then the same thing, you know, you understand, a humanitarian, that they're not going to be a professor, they're not going to be an intellectual, uh, at least not uh, in any serious capacity because they're running around helping people. But to find someone who has both that kind of mind and that kind of heart is, is exceptionally unusual, if, if not unique, we find singular occurrences where where somebody of that intellectual caliber is also known for compassion and service and being a humanitarian. They just don't normally go together. Don't they say that al also is the lead of the because the first to the seven of Zah, or the seven of Rabbeim? So yeah, the al also, yeah, could be uh, if you uh, Count the uh, oh, you want to talk about the famous story of Yem Kippur? Maybe we should, especially we're in the the of the Alter Rebbe's house. So we'll tell the story. The al Rebbe. This was actually an, uh, a, a secret story. This was told by the Rebbe Rehatz, the uh, Rebbe Yisov Yitzchok, the sixth Chabad Rebbe. He told it to his successor, to the Rebbe, and. Um, it was not a known story. The Rebbe revealed it. Actually, that Rebbe revealed it for the first time. That Rebbe said the first time he revealed it, he didn't do it with the proper pomp and circumstance. So then Rebbe told it again decades later with more uh, more fanfare. But the first time that Rebbe told the story was at the first that Ebba's first Mimer official uh, Mimer accepting the uh, the mantle of leadership 1951. Coming, we're coming up to Yud Shvat, the 10th day of the Hebrew month of Shvat, which is the anniversary of the Rebbe's accepting leadership. So at his inaugural discourse, the Rebbe told the story about the Alter Rebbe, um, one Yom Kippur in Shul. All of a sudden, he took his talus off of his head, and he left Shul on Yom Kippur, and he disappeared. And where did they find him? Where had he gone? There was a woman on the outskirts of town, who had just given birth. And the al went, and on Yom Kippur, chopped wood and made a fire and boiled water for her to attend to this, this woman's needs. So we're talking about incredible minds with incredible hearts, and it's just unusual to, to encounter that that combination. Okay, now let's 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 talk a little bit about the fun stuff. Okay, controversy. Everyone likes controversy. Jews love controversy, right? Okay, let's talk about controversy. Um, it's remarkable to, to think about this, but the, the 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 Rambam was not universally accepted in his lifetime. He was a controversial figure. And his books were burned, and he was condemned as a heretic. Now, mostly that happened in France, where they didn't know him, or some say because they couldn't read his Arabic, so they didn't know what he was really saying. But it wasn't just the Arabic, because Mishnah Torah was written in Lashanakodesh, and they didn't like that either. They thought it was audacious. Basically, the fact that he said, look, guys, if you only have two books in your house, and he, I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it essentially says in his Preface to Mishnah Torah. He says, if you have two books in your house, if you have a homish and you have my book, you'll be okay. <laughs> so people thought that's chutzpah. How dare he say that? Also, people thought that he's going to like sort of like uh, sidestep the whole uh, Talmudic dialectic, you know, where, where you analyze and you uh, you have to figure things out, and he's just going to spoon feed people. But the point is, he was a controversial controversial figure in his lifetime. Now. The Al Terebbe also was the subject of, of, of controversy. And, and and I said that I would mention, I mentioned earlier a Torah in the name of the Vilnagon, so I'll mention the Vilnagon. There was a letter, there's a letter, well, first of all, there's a famous letter that's in Igeris Hakoidish of the Al Terebbe, Igeris Chofhei, Simon Chofhei, where the Al is explaining or defending certain misunderstandings that the opponents of Hasidism had about certain statements in the Sefer known as Tzavos Harivosh. Harivosh is Reish Yud Beis Shin, Reb Yisrael Baal Shem. So I told you earlier, did the Baal Shem ever write a Sefer? No, he didn't. He didn't. I told you earlier, the Baal Shem and the Magid never wrote Tzvarim. But there were um, collected teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, and the first one to come out was known as Tzavos, Horivosh, and that sefer was burned, was publicly burned with the Chomets, you mentioned of Pesach, because of Pesach in a very negative way um, and there's a letter Like I mentioned, it's called Simen Chofhei of Yigeras HaKodesh in Tanya. Tanya has five halakim, five portions. The fourth portion is called Yigeras HaKodesh. Then there's something else, not to be confused with Igris HaKodesh. Igris HaKodesh are other letters that the Altebber wrote to individuals, to communities, that are not part of Tanya. They're they're correspondences. So that's called Igris HaKodesh. In the Igros Kodesh of the Rambam, there's a letter to the community of Vilna, or to the Hasidic community, specifically the Hasidic community of Vilna from Tof, Kuf Nun Zion Okay, that is the year that Tanya came out. That's the year that Tanya came out. And he's writing to the Hasidic community of Vilna. Now you have to understand, Vilna was the center of opposition. And it had been for as long as Hasidus existed, meaning from the times of the Baal And in this letter, the al Rebbe is comforting the Hasidic community of Vilna and saying to them, Guys, I know your situation. I've been there. And he says, as a student of the Magid, I went there with Reb Mendel Vitebsker, Mendel Haradokar. We went there. We tried to visit the Hasid. I don't know if people realize this, but the Vilnagon's nickname, they used to refer to him as Der Chassid. It It's interesting because the Chassidim, we call them Chassidim, they were not called Chassidim at that time, but the Vilnagon was the one who was called Der Chosid. So and he says, we tried to visit the Chosid, and, and they, they, they didn't allow. So he says, what are we supposed to do? They have these objections to us, these theological objections, but and he says what they are. They're n- namely, it's about tzimtzum kipshutai, or tzimtzum like pshutai. That means, is Hashem really present here in this world? Like like, like, uh, like the Zayhar says, les asar that there's no place devoid of him? Or is it just his mashgiach, that he, there's no place devoid of his supervision, but he's not actually there? And this was a serious, serious point of contention. So in this letter... The Al-Tarib is writing to the, the Hasidic community of Vilna, and he's saying, this is the nature of the dispute. I went there personally as a student of the Maggid, along with my colleague Reb Mendel Horadaker, and we tried to settle it, and we couldn't settle it, and we don't know what to say to them, because the problem is they have a different understanding of the Arizal than we do, and he's explaining the whole theological underpinnings of the argument, and he says, but listen, this is very interesting, Very interesting. One of the things he says is, we need to bring in the Svardim. Because they have, meaning the mesnagdim, have their understanding of of Kabbalah, of, of the Arizal. And we have our understanding of the Arizal. Let's bring in the Sfarim and ask them what they say, how to read the Arizal. He says the Chido. The Chido was a contemporary. The, was, the was, we mentioned before, shem the Sefer of the Chido, which is a history, many bi- biographies and dates. So the Chido was a, was, a, was a Talmud of the Orachayim, the famous Orachayim. So uh, he said, let's bring in the Chido and the Sfarim and let them settle what the Kabbalah is really saying. Is God here or is God not here? At any rate. So that's, that's that letter and I, and I highly recommend to, to read it just because you, you get such a, a snapshot into history. But why I'm mentioning this letter specifically is because of the close of the letter, the conclusion of the letter. So at the end of all of that, the al Rebbe says to the Hasidic community in Vilna, and he says like this, he says, listen, you're telling me that they burnt Tzavos Rivosh. You're telling me that you're like horrified. And I'm telling you, think, think back in history. This isn't the first time anything like this has happened. Do I have to remind you? There's no one more accepted today than the Rambam. And in his lifetime, they were burning his farim. They called him a heretic. Now everybody accepts him. So the Al-Terebbe says, don't worry, it's going to be the same thing with us. It'll, there will come a day there will be no more opposition we're going to become completely accepted, don't worry about it so that's also an incredible uh, connection between the Rambam and the Balatanya, that they overcame controversy and uh, dare I say not only eventually were accepted by the mainstream, but in many ways define Mainstream. The Medelvitebskar went to Erzisrael, yeah. Within within Hasidus itself, was there, the Rebbe was fully accepted? Oh, there were. Oh, come on, you're talking about Jews. <laughs> so you want to know where there many disputes within the Hasidim themselves? Yeah, for sure. There were different opinions about how Hasidus should be taught. Yeah? Not between the Alt Rebbe and Medelvitebskar. But there were different opinions how how Torah about Shemta should be taught, and, and maybe since you mentioned that everything's hashgachah pratis, remember I said I'm going to come back to rationalism, so you know we we, we learn Rambam um, every day. You know the the Rebbe said to learn Rambam every day, either the Sefer Mitzvahs, that's the, the, the lightest track, then there's one, one perak a day of Mishnah Torah, finishing the entire Mishnah Torah in three years. And I highly recommend everybody. I know, you know most people, most religious Jews are familiar with Daf Yemi, which is an incredible program. I encourage anybody who wants to, to, to pursue that as an, as an achievement, as a goal, Daf Yemi is a wonderful thing. I want you to also consider that there's something called Rambam Yemi, learning Rambam every day. And there are multiple tracks. And it's not just for people who are capable of learning, Gemara, and this includes all types of Jews from all walks of life. And uh, so I mentioned the Sefer Mitzvahs every day, or one pedik of Mishnah Torah a day, finishing the entire Mishnah Torah in three years, or learning three prakim of Mishnah Torah. It's it's an undertaking. I mean, it's. You know, sometimes it could take an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, sometimes it could take two hours. I don't want to scare anybody. No, no, it, does, it doesn't take so long. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and, But especially when you're in Tumas Mess, and you're, right now we're learning about the, the the impurity of the dead body and the corpse and the and the oil and the... Anyways, but I definitely encourage everyone to learn um, daily Rambam. But we just had a siyam where... Um, we just, fin- we just started Tahara, but before Tahara was uh, Karbonis. We just finished uh, Sefer Karbonis. So it's interesting. The Rambam, at the end of every Sefer of Yad Khazaka, Yad Chazaka is a nickname for Mishnah Torah, Yad is 14, Yodal is 14, 14 books. Sometimes we call it Yad HaChazaka. Uh, he called it Mishnah Torah, the repetition of the Torah. Like, like I told you, he said, you can have the Chumash and you have my book and then you're set. But at any rate, at the end of every Sefer, the Rambam gives us like a nice little Fabrengen. I, that's, that's, that's how I see it. So, at the end of uh, Sefer Carbonis, so he's talking about tamurais, he's talking about exchanging animals, and are you allowed, are you not allowed, what happens when you exchange an animal that was designated to be a Corbin, you exchange it for another animal. So, at any rate, at the end of the whole thing, he says, look, Bottom line, all this stuff is just decrees. This is just, it's, this is like, like your mother told you, because I said so, right? Because I said so. However, he said, to whatever extent that we can try to find rational explanations, we're responsible to do so. So it's very interesting. On, on one hand, the Rambam is saying, look, guys, you have to have a munah. You just have to accept it. You have to, you have to take it on faith. At the same exact time, he's saying, but to whatever capacity you are capable of understanding, not pretending that this is the end-all, be-all reason. Obviously, the real reason is beyond what we could ever fathom. But to whatever capacity you're capable of of understanding, you're responsible to stretch your your limits and to understand it that deeply. So, (laughs) getting back to the controversy, saying, was the Al-Tareb's style of Hasidus uniformly accepted among all Hasidim? No, there are those who said... Look, you don't have to understand so much. It's enough to be inspired. The tzaddik will understand. He'll learn, and he'll know what's going on in the Sferos, and you'll, you'll watch him, and you'll be inspired. The Altarebbe said, no, we're not going to go that route. Um, tzaddik b'munoseh yichya, not yechaya. The tzaddik lives with his faith. He doesn't enliven you with his faith. Get your own faith. Watch the tzaddik. Be inspired by the tzaddik. Emulate the tzaddik. But you gotta you gotta do your own work, and primarily, what is that work? Rational work. So the al Rebbe's whole—why is it called Chabad? Why did he call his school Chabad? Because the whole idea was, <clears throat> of course, this stuff is allamuna. <laughs> we're talking about sfera, we're talking about ayla, we're talking about elokus, talking about spiritual stuff that nobody could really properly fathom. Nevertheless, to the extent that you're able to, you have to try. And that was not accepted by. All of the, the students of the Magad. But at any rate, that's another similarity of the al Rebbe and the Rambam, that they're both consummate ma like everything's a munna, a a And at the same time, it's not a contradiction to say you gotta learn, you gotta study, you gotta understand, you have to have, have, to have an intelligent explanation for this stuff. Okay. The name Yad Chazaka, the name of the Mishnah Torah, the Ramm's work, is also from this Parsha. no? Yad Chazaka, yeah. Well, is it from, uh, yeah, is it from Vayera? I'll tell you what's not from this week, because I wanted it to be from this week. <laughs> and it just didn't do what I wanted it to do. <laughs> My Parsha's Bayi, which is next week. Is Laman, That's from the Vilna Gon as well, by the way. The, the only place, the Vilna was a Bucky in Tanakh when he was three years old. The only place that you find a Rosh HaTavis, Rambam, in the entire Tanakh, in four consecutive words, Reish Mem, Beis Mem, is Ravais, Mavsai, Be'eretz, Mitzrayim where Hashem is telling uh, Moshe, let Pare keep starting up with me. I'm going to get him good in the end because the whole point here is to increase my wonders in the land of Egypt. Ram, Rosh acronym Rambam. Rambam is to increase my wonders in the land of Egypt. What was the most wondrous thing that ever happened in Egypt since the ten plagues? Compiling the, the Mishnah Torah. Okay. How are we doing time-wise? I mean, yeah. uh, what? Okay. <laughs> OK, I, I, okay. Let, let me try to wrap up here. Um, all right, one last concept, one last concept. And that is because I, I, I really just wanted to put in a pitch for the Mapping the Tanya class, Chabad of the Five Towns. It's a women's class. If there'll be enough interest from the men, maybe someday there'll be a men's class someday. Uh, but the, the, this is the Mapping the Tanya Mondays at eleven am upstairs in the library at chabad, uh, mapping the Tanya. okay, so I just wanted to put in a pitch for the the weekly tanya class but here here's here's how I'm going to do it, but th- that wasn't smooth. Let me do it smoothly. Let me back up let me here's a smooth segue just to mention the the Tanya class. okay. there's something very interesting about Meira Hanvohem, yeah <laughs> which is that in the preface that Abram writes, like a warning, like basically telling you not to learn the book. So like, what's up with that? Like, you're supposed to learn it, and you're not supposed to learn it. He, he, he says, this book is only for somebody who's shalim bedase, somebody who's complete, who's full in his religious observance and in his faith, so basically disqualifying everybody and saying, this is not for you. You can't handle this book. This book's not for you. OK. So there are many discussions of what this means. Like, is it a joke? Like, So one explanation is that he, he uses a lashon of shvuah, but it only, it's only hal if you say amen. So if you didn't say amen, so you're not really bound. But OK, there's different explanations. If he really meant it, he could have written a chas v'shalom. He could have said, anybody who reads this is gonna be under a ban, you know. But he didn't. He was like, he writes this oath, but then the oath doesn't apply to you. It's so like, what's the deal? So there's a sikha, look at chof uh, which by the way, 60% of what I'm telling you right now is stolen from that sikha. <laughs> Everyone knows I steal everything from sikhas, right? That's like it's open secret. So um, there's a there's a sikha's chaf vav, parsh's va'era. And and the Rebbe gets into this this question of like, why did the Rebbe write this warning in the beginning of Mayrahan Novukim if he didn't mean it, and if he if he didn't mean it, why did he write it? So basically Here's the idea, and it's based. It's based on a mahalik, a certain approach to Torah that we actually find the Rambam and the al in other places backing up. The original place is 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 a is a is a, is a medrash, an eichar a medrash on a possek from Yermiyo, where, where Hashem laments and says about the Jewish people, they abandoned me, and they abandoned my Torah. So, like, what does that mean? They abandoned me, and they abandoned my Torah. So the Medrash over there says, mainly you abandoned Hashem, but did you have to abandon His (laughs) Torah? Like, you have to also abandon His Torah? Like, okay, so abandon Hashem, but don't abandon His Torah. And then the Medrash goes on and explains what does that mean? They abandoned me and they didn't keep my Torah. The matter says, okay, you abandoned him. It's not good. But continue to learn Torah even though you say you don't believe, even though you've fallen out with Hashem, even though it appears, God forbid, you severed the relationship. Just keep on learning Torah and what will, what will happen is that eventually Ma'ar Shaba, the luminary within Torah, the, the, the godliness that's, even if you don't believe in it, even if you swear that there's no godliness in it, but the Ma'ar, the luminary within the air, the luminary that's within the light, will, will, will return him, Machzirei lamutov, it will return him to a good way. So where do we find this concept in, in both in the Rambam <coughs> and in the Alter Rebbe? We find the idea in, in, in Hilchas Talmud Torah of the Alter Rebbe. That was the Alter Rebbe's first published work, by the way. It was Hilchas Talmud Torah. So in Hilchas Talmud Torah, uh, Gimel, uh, Halacha Dalid, Siv Dalid, he says over there the famous saying of, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure people have heard before, "Matei Lishma From not doing something for the sake of its own sake, you will eventually, you know, start, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, right? And, and, and the Rebbe explains, metoich. Why does he use the expression metoich? Metoich literally means from the inside of. He says, because deep down, every Jew really does want to do it for the real reason. So from the toich of the l'shma, ba l'shma, he'll he'll unearth the hidden desire that he really has to do it for the real reasons, for the right reasons. So the Alter Rebbe Paskins in Hilchas Talmud Teira, and the and, and the Alter Rebbe says, and I'm basing this on the Rambam in Hilchas Chuva, at the end of Hilchas Tshuva, the Rambam says it as a psak, as a halacha. It's not, the Gemara says it as an adage, as an aphorism. But the, the, the Rambam in the end of Hilchas Tshuva, he actually says, this is the halacha. If you're asking me practical questions here, should you do something good, even if you don't mean it? Yeah, just start, because eventually you'll come to mean it. So, what's the idea? The idea is, here's a book, made and it's only meant for people who are on a certain religious level. And you're not on that level. And really, technically, you shouldn't be learning this book. But if you start, even before you're really worthy of it, eventually through that process you'll become worthy of it (laughs) like the the old paradox in order to get a job you have to have experience but if you've never had a job then you don't have experience so how do you get hired you can only get hired if you have experience but i've only had experience if i've been hired before so basically that's called internship (laughs) or nepotism you have an uncle you know and hang out in the shop. Or you do like Steven Spielberg. You know, how he got, you know how he got hired at the studios? He found a janitor's closet that no one was using, and he put a nameplate on the door, and he would just walk in and out every day until they thought he worked there. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the real MSF, fake it till you make it. Yeah. So anyways, really, you're not supposed to learn until you're at a certain level. But how are you supposed to get to that level? So just start learning, and at least you know where the bar has been set. At least you know where the bar has been set, and then you'll eventually come to that level. So the Rebbe says in this the same thing with Tanya. And this is why I want to mention our Tanya Shear, because this is something that we, we stated very clearly. Anyone who's in the Tanya Shear, who was at the first, the, when we started, not the first time like three years or whatever, but this time, we're, no, you went. not the first class. Was anyone? So maybe I said it a few years ago, I can't remember, but I for sure said it when we started again this year. I told you, if anyone who in this year will remember from the first class, I told you that the Alter Rebbe wrote this book as a substitute for one-on-one audience, and we have a tradition that when you learn Tanya, you're actually having a one-on-one audience with the Alter Rebbe. Okay, in the Hagdoma, in the preface of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says something. He says, you're going to ask me, how in the world can a book substitute in, in person? I mean, people complain about Zoom. But this, this is even more than that. I'm going to write a book, and that's going to substitute an in-person relationship. How, how's it going to work? So he says, don't worry, guys, because I wrote this book for Yoidai Umakirai for people who know me and they, they, they're acquainted with me. I wrote this book for, for my guys. And we've, been, we've spent time together in the past. And we've talked about stuff. And you poured out your heart to me. So don't worry. I'm the same person that you poured out your heart to. And now I'm writing a book. It's good. Don't worry. So I mentioned the first, time, uh, the first class of this year's cycle when we were going through Tanya. I said to you, there are two drastically different ways of learning that line. And I don't remember, well, since I'm hearing a lot of people weren't at that class, so I'll just tell you who, what, what I said over there. I said, there are some people who will say, like, not in any like, malicious way, with sincerity, that Dafka, you should learn Tanya, but not with a Lubavitcher. And uh, I, I guess maybe it's the, this, the concern is there's a certain lack of objectivity, perhaps. You know, maybe, could be. Um, but I want to tell you something. I've I've seen people who are not privy to the Mesaira. You know, everything has to have a Mesaira. And we have a Mesaira, how to learn Tanya, and what Tanya is. It's a front from, from the Rebbe. And the Rebbe tells us that Ye Makirai means anyone who learns Tanya. You could learn that book drastically. I've actually been to Tanya Shurim, where people who are not privy to that Masoida have learned that line. And they said, well, this advice was applicable to people who lived in white Russia in the late 1700s and who knew uh, the Balatanya. And maybe, maybe, maybe you could also find you know, applicability in your life as well. But I'm telling you, the mesorah we have is the exact opposite, which is not that the Alter Rebbe wrote Tanya for people he knows, but the Alter Rebbe knows everybody for whom he wrote Tanya. And if you read Tanya, you become an acquaintance of the Alter Rebbe. So, same thing. You could read that Hakdama, and you could immediately disqualify yourself and say, "Well, this book isn't for me. This wasn't written for me. Maybe I'll study it as an anthropologist." interesting to know what somebody told some people lived at a certain time in a certain place. No. If you're reading Tanya, the Al-Tareb is speaking to you. He's he's, he's right across from you. You're in Yechidis. You're at a one-on-one audience and and there's a soul doctor who knows you and and loves you because he says that these are are words of love and affection. The the whole Tanya is predicated on on a warm, loving, mentor relationship. And uh, if you don't think you have that before you learn Tanya, just start learning Tanya and you'll get it. <laughs> if you don't have experience, you can't get a job. You don't have a job, you can't get experience. So just start reading and, and, and you'll get it. And the same with Meirah Hanavokhen. Okay, so at any rate, bottom line, the main point is, we should learn Torah. <laughs> we need to learn Halacha. We need to learn Halacha that's applicable today. Halacha that's applicable very soon, any second from now when Mashiach will come. We need to learn Chassidus. We need to learn Hashkofa, Machshava. We need to learn a lot of Torah. And ultimately, like it says in, in this week's Parsha, that uh, the whole point of going out of Mitzrayim is to know Hashem. And how do we know Hashem? By... By learning, and who are our teachers? Well, to name two great teachers, the Rabbim and the Alter So there you go. We got work. <laughs> we got work to do. Okay. Good.